Our scripture reading is from John 21. Our message will work through the entire passage, but in the interest of time, we'll read only verses 4 to 17. Would you please stand for the reading of scripture? John 21, verses 4 to 17. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so were the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Would you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we're thankful for your word. We pray that by the power of your spirit you would speak to us, that we would see your Son high and lifted up, and that hearing his voice, his sheep would know their good shepherd and follow him and offer our lives to him promptly and sincerely, in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Are you ready to believe? The previous chapter read like the end of John. Jesus had risen. And John neatly tied everything in chapter 20 back into the introduction to the book and then stated his purpose for writing all this. And it was that we might believe and believing we might have life in Jesus' name. So why does John keep going and include uh, this uh, final chapter? Uh, Some have suggested that uh, someone tacked it on later, but there is no evidence that the book of John ever existed without this final chapter or was John one of those preachers who has long concluded his sermon but just can't stop talking no the purpose of this chapter is to show us what is next if we have read and studied all this material about the life 
and work of Jesus Christ and if we are ready to do what John says and believe and thus enter into real life, then this is what awaits us. This final chapter of John gives us pictures of what this life in Jesus' name looks like. Now let's get to it. First, in this passage, you see that Jesus still provides. He still provides. Look at verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got in a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now why Peter and the disciples uh, gone fishing? There have been many negative uh, explanations of this over the years. that They had given up on Jesus and they just went back to their lives before him, but I don't think so. It doesn't matter if Jesus is raised or not. Let me finish my sentence before you charge me with heresy here. It doesn't matter if he was raised. But whether or not he was raised, you got to eat. Jesus was raised from the dead. That did not change the fact that these men still had to eat. So they went fishing. This is what they knew to do. Life goes on. But they found no success. And then, as we read, over on the shore, there's Jesus. They didn't know it was Jesus at the first, but there it was. Look at uh, verse uh, 5. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast a net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. He almost, Jesus knows uh, that they haven't caught anything. When he, he says, children, do you have any fish? You, you almost wonder if he's poking at them just a little bit. Caught anything yet? No, they haven't. He tells them, cast the net on the right side, and you will find some. And you see, they caught so many fish that they could not pull the net in. Now look at verse 9. When they got out on land, they, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish. Laid out on it and bread, Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many the net was not torn. Now, you see here, John gives us a very precise description. He says they caught 153 fish. Uh, again, uh, there have been all kinds of efforts to interpret, read something into the number 153. But I think the point is, John is telling us uh, this is not just some made-up story. Uh, this, is not, uh, this is not some fish story here. Now, I've got actual 
precise details for you. Now you notice here that even though they caught so many fish, the net did not break. Now this is very similar to an, uh, a story that happened in, in Luke chapter 5, except uh, in that, on that occasion, uh, a couple years earlier, the net was uh, breaking. But we see here, maybe, uh, maybe it's not a miracle uh, that here the net does not break, but we see Jesus taking care of his uh, disciples. Still, he has told them where to find the fish, and, and now, unlike the previous time, as they are finally uh, hauling them in, uh, the net is not breaking. And then, you see in verses 12 and 13... Just look at verse 13. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. Now you see, this is very much like John chapter 6, where Jesus had fed the 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves and two fish. And you remember in John 6 there was a problem. The people, the masses, loved the free food. They wanted to take Jesus and make him king. Man, if we make this man king, we will have unlimited free food on demand. They wanted the benefits of Jesus without actually receiving and committing their lives to Jesus. They wanted the gift, but they weren't particularly interested in knowing the giver. And Jesus, you recall, he rebuked the crowd for just wanting to come to him for free food. And from that time, many turned back and followed him no more. And what began with 5,000 plus women and children ended with Jesus plus 12. And it's almost as if here in this passage... In John 21 and verse 13, John balances it out. And he's telling us, don't come to Jesus for free food. Don't come to Jesus just to get something out of him. But on the other hand, if you really come to him and receive him, he will provide for you. Notice in verse 5, Jesus calls the disciples children. He takes care of his children. Jesus still provides. Secondly, in this passage, you see that Jesus still serves. Now look at verse 9 again. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread, Jesus said to them, bring me some of the fish that you have just caught. Now look at verse 12. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. That's just like Jesus. They're out fishing. And Jesus is cooking breakfast for them on the shore. It's like when Jesus washed their feet in chapter 13 that last night before the cross and 
and you remember in washing their feet, he was serving his disciples, and it was a picture, a living demonstration of the cross. He, he rose from supper as he rose from his throne. He laid aside his outer garment as he laid aside his glory. He took the towel just as he took the form of a servant, human flesh, then he poured the water into the basin just as he poured out his blood on the cross and he washed the dirt from their feet just as he washed them from their sins. And then you remember to show that he would rise and enter back into his glory. He put his order outer garment back on. But he never took off the towel. Jesus is still human. He is still enfleshed in human nature and it is now scarred flesh, glorified flesh, but scarred humanity. And the towel was the symbol of the servant. And Jesus, glorified, exalted, raised from the dead, is still serving his people. Now, God has always served his people even before the Son uh, became flesh. But he became flesh in order to serve his people. And here Jesus is serving breakfast. And John is, is saying that if you are ready to follow Jesus, yes, you will serve Jesus, but you will not out-serve Jesus. I love that passage Jonathan preached last Sunday night from Revelation 7. And you remember it ends with that beautiful picture of all the redeemed in heaven with Jesus, the Lamb. And it says that His people, they serve Him day and night. But you remember while they're serving Him, it says that He is sheltering them. He's feeding them. He's leading them to streams of living water. It says He's being their good shepherd. And it's telling us that we will serve Jesus forever. We will serve Him for all eternity, but we will not serve Him a tiny fraction of how much He will serve us. You see that Jesus still serves and he always will you see that Jesus still provides he still serves thirdly you see that Jesus still restores look at verse 7 that disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter it is the Lord when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. Now Peter had denied Jesus. But here, when they realized it was Jesus on the shore calling to them, Peter jumped in the water and swam straight to him. 
Look at verse 15. When they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Three times Peter had denied Jesus. Now Jesus gives Peter three times to confess him. The first time, he asks him, do you love me more than these? What does that mean, do you love me more than these? Well, do you remember at the Last Supper, Jesus had told Peter, you will deny me. And Peter said, though all else deny you, I will never deny you. He was saying to Jesus, I am the best I love you the most. Everybody else may turn away, but I love you more than they do, and I will never deny you. And so now, Jesus asked, Do you love me more than these? Do you really love me more than all the other disciples do? Peter says simply, you know that I love you. The comparison is gone. The pride is gone. Jesus is helping Peter to recover. To recover from his pride and the pride that led to the fall and the fall itself. He's helping him recover from the pride and the fall. And he says to him, feed my lambs. The second time, Jesus drops some more than these. Just ask him, do you love me? Peter answers, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus then tells him, tend my sheep. The third time Jesus asked, do you love me? And Peter is hurt. It says he was grieved because it was the third time. He says, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Of course, he was grieved because the third time Jesus asked, do you love me? Peter knew he was thinking of the three denials. But now think about this. Peter denied Jesus Three times. Now, Jesus gives him three opportunities to confess his love for him. In other words, where sin did abound, grace did all the more abound. Jesus has enough Grace for Peter's sin. You cannot exhaust the grace of Jesus. Peter's pride is gone. He feels the shame and burden and guilt 
of his sin. And now three times Jesus tells him, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. What's the point? Jesus is telling Peter, I did not give your job away while you were out denying me in public. I haven't fired you. I haven't cast you off. I still have a job for you. Your sin is great, but my grace is greater. My blood is greater. I am greater. If you think about that passage in Luke chapter 5, early on, when, when the similar thing happened and they caught so many fish when they did what Jesus said. Back then, Peter was proud. He had not been humbled yet. And the story is very similar. But on that night, when they catch so many fish, and Peter then realizes that this Jesus is no mere man, it says that he fell at his knees and said, Lord, get away. Depart from me. I am a sinner. That's when he was proud. Now he's humble. He knows he's a sinner now. He said he was then. He knows he is a sinner now. And what does he do? Does he say, Jesus, get away from me? Depart from me, for I am a sinner? No. He jumps in the water and swims to Jesus, straight to Jesus as fast as he can. You see how his understanding of Jesus has grown? Perhaps you might be afraid to get close to Jesus. Perhaps you're afraid. John Calvin said that as long as Jesus remains outside of us and we are separated from him, all that he has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race is useless and of no value for us. We must come into him and he must come into us. And perhaps you are afraid to get that close to him. Peter shows us the way. Jump in. Sin, guilt, and all. Jump in and go to Jesus as fast as you can. He will not turn you away. Yes, makes sense. Jesus said, John 10, I am the good shepherd. What does the scripture say about the good shepherd? I shall not walk. Jesus is provided. He says, thou shalt, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Jesus is serving breakfast. The table is prepared. He restoreth my soul. Jesus is restoring Peter. And now the good shepherd says to Peter, take care of my sheep. 
And John is telling us, if you're ready to come to Jesus, if you're ready to follow him, you are unworthy, but he will never run out of grace, mercy, and forgiveness for you. He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He restoreth my soul. You see that Jesus still provides, he still serves, he still restores, and fourthly and finally, we see that Jesus still has a cross to carry. He still has a cross to carry. Look at verse 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, and if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. He basically says to Peter, you will be crucified. They will stretch you out and take you where you don't want to go. You will be crucified. Now follow me. Peter sees John behind them and says, what about him? Jesus says to Peter, that's none of your business. What happens to him? You follow me. One Christian is martyred. Another one lives to be a hundred years old. That's his business, not ours. He tells Peter, you'll be crucified. If you follow Jesus, he has a cross for you to carry. Now for Peter, it was a literal cross. It probably will not be a literal cross for us, but there will be a cross to bear. It may be difficult. It may not be so much difficult by comparison, but that's up to him. He has work for us to do. If we follow him, it will be a life of obedience, cross-bearing, self-denial, and obedience. But our business is just to follow. There's an old hymn that says, God hath not promised skies always blue flower strewn pathways all our life through God hath not promised sun without rain joy without sorrow peace without pain what about him it's none of your business you'll be crucified but you follow me. He has not promised joy without sorrow, peace without pain. 
But he has promised that his grace is sufficient. He is sufficient. He will provide. He will serve. He will restore. You can take him or leave him on that basis. Are you ready to believe?